This is the Partnership for the Arts talk show, where we talk art. Welcome to Where We Talk Art. This is your host, Victor Gartner. And I have known today's guest for several years. Her work is always eye-catching and evolving. I know her mainly for her excellent watercolor and alcohol ink paintings. But there's a lot more to know about her. Lisa Oliver, welcome to Where We Talk Art. Thank you for having me, Victor. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad you're here. Uh, it's great to have you in the studio, and, and I want to talk about what you're doing in your artwork. But first, a brief message. This is Partnership for the Arts. Come join us as we explore the world of art. You can find us on our Facebook page at Partnership for the Arts Group Talk Show. Or you can find us on our new website at pftatalkshow.org. PFTA Talk Show is recorded at the Visual Arts Center in Punta Gorda, Florida. Lisa Oliver, I want our listeners to have an idea about your background and who you are as a person so people can get to know not just a person's art, but also who the, the artist is. All right. So where did you grow up? Oh, all right. So my roots aren't far from yours. I am a That's New true. Yorker. And um, I was born in the city and moved out to Long Island and uh, lived out there till I was about 30 years old. It was it was fun. I was um, a horticulturist at the time, um, working for a large national retail chain, and they took me to Michigan, where I continued my horticulture background. Where on the island were you? So we were in Suffolk County in Centerport, and so I lived okay. mostly in the Centerport, Huntington, Northport area most of my time on the island. And I was in Nassau County, which is in the middle of the island, mm -hmm. and I was in the town of Elmont, which is when you cross from Jamaica, which is one of, one of the last cities of New York City, you cross into Nassau County, and that's where we were. And I have to laugh that when I was a kid and people heard that we were moving out of our neighborhood in Brooklyn, they said, we hear you're moving out to the country. And well, I thought it was the country, too, because my street had trees on it. Yeah, it was like we had pastures and farm animals walking around, but it sure wasn't Brooklyn. I could tell you that. Yes, and I I could relate because um, we were in Queen in Queens, mm -hmm. and then moved out to Suffolk County, so we kind of skipped over Nassau County where you ended up, and so that was way 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 out in, in what they called the boondocks. Yes, and and at that time there were still potato farms and mm -hmm. duck farms and horse farms up there in Suffolk County. Oh, yeah. And, and there still are, but you have to go quite quite a ways out now to mm -hmm. find them. Well, when you were a kid growing up, what kind of opportunities did you have to be exposed to the arts? Oh, I'm my. including <laughs> literature, I'm including music, dance, uh, 2D art, whatever. Okay, so it was um, really my box of 64 color crayons, Crayolas. <laughs> which were, were, were my intro to art. And so it was, you know, fun, colorful, um, and probably what's driven me to love anything colorful um, to this day. Um, I love exploring 
lots of colors, color combinations, um, contrasting colors, um, just anything with color. Vibrancy is big in my paint, a lot of my paintings. You like chroma, bright uh, colors? Quite a lot, quite a lot. Mm. What's your favorite color? Um, I would say it's always evolving, but at the moment, more the waters of the, uh, the colors of the ocean, um, you know, your blues and your greens, mm -hmm. um, dappled. You seem to be wearing some blues and greens today also. I, I guess that, that has a lot to do with my favorite colors. <laughs> so, yeah. And, uh, I, and I, you are I'm too. I'm kind of a, a blue <laughs> person myself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, not blue mm -hmm. in my emotions, but just in the, the palette that I, uh, that I like. When you were in high school, did you think art was a possible career for you? Um, really, no. Um, I liked art and I dabbled in it. Um, but I, you know, my parents really pushed more an academic path, as as did my teachers. I think they were in cahoots some of the time. Mm. And um, so I, I, I ended up going to school for nutrition, of all things. Um, it was fun. Uh, to this day, I use what I've learned, but only really for myself and my family. Um, trying to tell people what to eat, I found is very, very difficult. And like, like you're going to change their minds. Oh, right? it doesn't happen. <laughs> no, it does not, not happen. So um, that's why I went back to school for horticulture, and I found it a lot easier to tell people how to care for their plants. Oh, they welcomed they really that advice. want to take care of yes. their plants. Yes, they're more motivated to take care of the plant that they purchased and they want to keep alive and flowering as opposed to changing their lifestyle. Right. Oh, of course. Oh, that is so brilliant. And then took a job um, while I was still going to school um, with a company called Flower Time. It was an independently owned chain of approximately 50 garden centers in the Northeast and um, worked my way up from an hourly associate to a regional business manager and then our company was bought out and I was offered a job to buy all of the annuals and perennials for the entire country, which at the time they had 260 stores. Um, only downside to that job, because it was my dream job, it was rooted in Detroit. And oh. so um, it, it wasn't the most appealing place to mm -hmm. work. Um, it was very run down. Um but wasn't long after that we moved out to the suburbs of Detroit. I traveled a lot, um, got to travel all over the country, Canada, Europe, um, always in search of the next new flower that was going to hit the market. Mm. So it was, it, it was a lot of fun. I got to meet a lot of good people in the industry and, um, and worked with a lot of creative people. I think um, we had to do, I had to do a lot of, um, product development, packaging. So I, so since I didn't do the packaging, I had to work with others and other companies that helped um, do the marketing and packaging for us. I got to see a lot of artwork being done digitally, um, which really sparked some of my interest in the arts again. I can see how you would be promoted to being a manager because you're very good at organizing you're very good at keeping uh, timelines, objectives, and you're good with people. Mm -hmm. So I try. Yeah, I, I can see that was a natural progression for you. Mm -hmm. They said, we've got a winner here. Let's promote this young lady. Well, and I was hardworking, and so yes, you are I never stop. <laughs> yes. You also have been very successful 
in your career by having a gallery, maybe even more than one gallery, do, holding your works or, or, or carrying your works, I should say. And that's a, that's a big thing. A lot of artists wonder why or how can I get into a gallery? They seem like that, that's their goal. They want to be able to move their product. So I think I got very lucky. Um, I've probably the first gallery I had in any of my artwork in was right here in Visual Arts Center as a student, mm. um, because the Visual Arts Center, um, part of their classes, they encourage all of their students to enter the student show, and they help you prepare your art um, and with all the applications and everything. Right. So it really, really trains you in getting getting your art into the public um, and it gives you builds confidence and they give awards merit awards and you know and they explain what they like and don't like about your artwork um, so I found the the visual arts center was a huge help in getting my confidence level up and Very without that I don't think I ever would have had the courage to approach a gallery uh, near my home in northern Michigan Hmm. So when you did approach the gallery, did did you go through the process of trying to find out what it is that they're looking for? Did you look to see if they had like an online um, way of, of saying that if you're interested, you have to follow these procedures to submit your work? Um, well, it's a very small town that I live in and it's a tourist town um, and we only have two art galleries there. Um, and this particular art gallery um, is sandwiched between a, two restaurants and a coffee shop. Coffee shop is actually built into the gallery. They're um, selling art that appeals to people in northern Michigan, outdoorsy kind of art, nature, nature art, um, which is all what I do. So, so you mean like I wildlife? A lot of wildlife, floral, fish outdoor activities, anything outdoor, mm -hmm. landscapes. Um, so I knew my art would fit in that venue. Um, so it really was a matter of creating a body of art to present. So, And that was probably the most difficult thing because galleries really want you to have a look. They want you to have all your art to be cohesive. They don't want it all over the board. Um, you know, they want every time you're bringing in pieces for people to be able to say, oh, that must be so-and-so's piece of art. They recognize uh, that. They that want it recognized. This is the person that does the lobster painting or this is the person that does the moose in the pond painting, whatever it might be. In other words, they're, they're expecting this the next time you come in with a, a load of art under your arm. That's not going to be all of a sudden wait a minute, we haven't ever done circus themes before. What is this? Right. Right? That kind of thing. Very much so. Um, in this particular gallery, because I'm also a volunteer there in the summertime, mm. um, I was given a little more leeway. And because every year my sales continued to increase, they um, and they saw my body of work and saw my evolution of my work, yes. um, because it is always changing, um, they allowed me to stretch the barrier of, what I was doing. So um, because we're on some famous blue rib ribbon trout rivers, I did a series of fish paintings, mostly trout. Mm. Um, and so that's been a big seller. And so I have a dedicated space 
for that separate of my watercolors. And then several years ago, I had the um, honor of taking some workshops with Joe Lindsay and expanded into alcohol ink. And yes, yes. Jill Lindsay is a teacher here at the Visual Arts Center. And yes, she was doing alcohol ink. And I can remember when you first started, you were so excited and enthusiastic about it. And you still are because you're teaching it yourself now. Yes, I am. I do. In, well, I facilitate an open studio here at the Visual Arts Center. Mm -hmm. And um, I do a workshop back at Maple Leaf, where I live in Florida, um, for our residents there. So each season I'll do that workshop as well as facilitate here. So um, it took me about three years, though, before I actually could show anybody a piece of my art. So it was uh, a lot of trial and error, a big learning curve. Even though it's fluid like watercolor, it behaves very differently than watercolor. It's actually even more fun than watercolor because you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, it's a more spontaneous and, and uncontrolled kind of thing. But mm -hmm. I, should, I shouldn't say uncontrolled because over time, you've learned to control it. I have. It, it's an unusual media um, because you're on a non-porous surface, but because the alcohol and the ink evaporates, that's what allows you to control it. You have to know how to use it at the right timing when it starts to thicken up a little bit to get that control. Whereas when it's loose and fluid, it gives you beautiful backgrounds and color gradation. It's, since it's an alcohol, not the type of alcohol you can consume, but it's a different type of alcohol. Are there any precautions? Like, do you have to wear a, a mask or do you have to have high ventilation or anything like that? Lots of um, precautions. Um, definitely well ventilated. So when I'm working um, here in Florida, I work outside. And when I'm working in Michigan, I do it in my carport. Um, or not my carport, my garage. All right. With all the doors open, we have mm -hmm. front and back doors. And when I'm doing workshops, we have all our windows open. So, good um, idea. Yeah. Um, and we limit to how much alcohol we're actually using. They have blending solutions that you can use to thin the alcohol ink. Um, and that is a little bit easier when you're in a more enclosed area. All right. So, that helps. But yes, you do have to be careful. Lisa, this would be a perfect time for us to take a short break. And uh, listeners, don't go anywhere. We are going to be back very shortly. This is Lisa Gallucci, author, artist, and executive director of the Visual Art Center. I enjoy listening to Where We Talk Art. Okay, we are back, and we are talking with Lisa Oliver, and she has been telling us about alcohol ink and using uh, the ink to create pictures. That instead of just pouring inks on, uh, on an empty palette, so to speak, she's, she's creating images, which is something that I, I watched you do over time, and uh, I can see other people are doing the same thing in the community where you live. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's, it's an amazing um, media, and we use tools that are not typical. I use hair dryers, 
uh, air compressors, uh, photography, giattos, um, and definitely not straws. Some people on YouTube will tell you to use a straw, but that's something uh, that's dangerous. Then you're inhaling the fumes. Yes, yes. So you want to stay for, away from that. Um, and makeup tools instead of brushes. There are little micro tools uh, that I never knew existed, but for apparently putting on lipstick and uh, different things, there are lots of different brush applications you could do with these. And uh, But the most interesting is to watch the inks move when you're doing your backgrounds and using the blow dryers and you're watching that mingling the colors mingling. It's mesmerizing. They are beautiful. Now, I've heard the word soothing referred to your watercolor paintings, that that it's soothing to look at your work. And I would say that that's true for me. But how would you describe your your watercolors? Well, I, I can't say I've heard anybody say that it's soothing, but I can see where they're saying that because... Um, I think my colors are a little bit calmer in my watercolors, um, um, more monochromatic um, and just a little bit of contrasting, not as much as in my alcohol ink. And I love to do wet on wet applications where once again, it's a watercolors way of mingling on the paper and getting the colors to blend. Right. Um, so you're less likely to mix contrasting colors and get mud because it's mingling organically on the right. paper. Mm-hmm. And that appeals to you? Very much so. I can tell. Now, you mentioned you have this open studio group. So can you give us a little bit more information? You know, What, what do you mean by, by open studio and, and what kinds of... Um, mediums do people use when they go to the open studio? So this open studio started as just alcohol ink um, because Jill had been having workshops mm-hmm. and um, but then because of her other role she has here has gotten too busy and there wasn't any other venue for people that have taken her classes and I think she's had three or four of them in, over the years um, to then continue on with alcohol ink here. So I had worked with Kim at the time, and we added this open studio where people can come on Friday afternoons and bring their alcohol inks, and there'd be other uh, like-minded people here working on alcohol ink at the same time. Um, so there are several open studios here, and basically how they work are there's somebody facilitating, which is what my role would be, um, so I could answer questions, but it isn't um, a class where we're giving instructions. We're just all creating our own art, but then we help one another and we mm-hmm. teach one another and we share what I call tidbits all the time. Okay. And it's those little tidbits that are the aha moments um, that you have when you hit a hurdle and, and then everybody starts brainstorming and you then come up with, a solution or somebody knew a solution and you just haven't happened upon it yet. So, uh, you know, it's really, it's encouraging to see how everybody works together. Yeah. That's one of the great things about having a group of people doing similar work together, because like you say, somebody runs into a problem that maybe you haven't seen yet, or you have, and you have a suggestion of how you can overcome this problem, or somebody has a tool that nobody's seen before. 
And then people go, ooh, where did you order that? How much did it cost? And yeah, commiserating. Yes. Yes. And that happens a lot, especially when we get back together after the summer and everybody shares what they've learned over the summer. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of catching up at the end. Uh, but we've even expanded the class to include watercolor people because a lot of the people that have taken the alcoholing classes were watercolor people. And we're all in the same class. We're in uh, Pat Bacon's watercolor class. And so several of her former students have joined us that are strictly watercolor people. They dabbled in alcoholing, but then they went back to their watercolor. So we call it water media. So it's fluid media. It's watercolor and alcoholing and and. Um, everybody kind of goes back and forth depending on what they're working on. You know, so um, you, you can't really combine the two. One is water-based, one's alcohol-based. So they're two separate media. Um, you know, and a lot of times mixed media mingle things, and these, these are two things you don't mingle. But mm-hmm. um, we, we do a little bit of both. Well, you, you mentioned mm-hmm. Pat Bacon's class just a, a moment ago. Is, is that where we met? Because we were in a watercolor class together somewhere along the line. Yes, that's exactly where we met. And I remember vividly the painting you were working on. Um, it was with a staircase and a window. Oh, yes. yes. Yes, and the sunlight dappled in. Right. Yes, I remember that. Till this day, I think about whether or not I should have added a cat on the floor <laughs> Where the sun hits the floor, because, oh, you know, yeah. cats love to do that, you know, yes, where the sun shines. they love that sun. But I decided mm-hmm. not to go back. I finished it. I signed it. It's it. It's, yes. it's over. But that was, she was a very good teacher, Pat. Yes, she was. She knew how to bring out the best in each person and toward each person individually rather than having, you know, because she knew who she can push. And who wanted mm. to really go to the next level and the next level and the next level. And then there were other students that just wanted to come and paint every day. So she let everybody set their own level of expertise that they wanted to attain. And she taught to that individually, which was an amazing thing to do because I think she had 20 students in that class. There were a lot of people in the class. Yeah. Yes. And I also like that she would give a little lesson. Yes. And and it would be a fast lesson. And maybe we didn't have to do anything at our tables to to reinforce what she was telling us. We could go right back to our paintings or or we could do it. You know, it was kind of like our choice. But we always had plenty of time to paint, even if she gave us a lesson. Yes, that is true. And I go back to some of those lessons. I wish I kept them all. Um, but every now and again, if I want to paint something I haven't done in a while, I'll pull my book out with her lessons in it. And sure enough, uh, you know, there might be a recipe on how to attain this color blend or this technique, mm-hmm. which was very good. She was a sweet woman. Yes. I miss her. I do too. Recently, I attended the sixth annual International Society of Scratchboard Artists annual exhibit, um, and that was in Bradenton, Florida, mm-hmm. up the road, a little bit more than an hour's drive each way. I heard you had an exhibit there. Yes. One of my pieces, I, I entered two pieces, actually, and to be jury to see whether or not they would make it into the show, 
Uh, one of them I didn't think would because I had second thoughts about whether or not I should even submit it, but I did. It was my first colored piece. Oh, very in, nice. In scratch art, uh-huh. where I, I tend to remain mostly a purist and just have just mm-hmm. the pure black, black and whites. So the, the black and white piece, which was a coal miner, got accepted. So I was thrilled. Fabulous. Yeah. And I went there. I was blown away by the level of talent some of these people have. You know, there are people in this international society that are referred to as masters, and there's only 22 of them in the world. Oh, my. And wow. several of them were, were there that did workshops and had pieces there. And I'm telling you, they were so precise, so yeah. detailed, so dramatic in their choice of lighting, etc. So I had a chance to talk with some of these folks. Uh, some who were not yet at the master's level and some who were at the master's level. And one of the things that uh, I was struck by was how almost all of them said, I structure my day so that there is time for me to do my work every single day. Only one person said, eh, you know, I have kids, I'm married, and when I can get to it, I do. So I was thinking, how about, how do you feel about that? That, that if you want to be a good artist, you really need to put in the time. Oh, totally. And I know one artist online, um, a teacher um, that teaches online, um, her word is you have to put in the brush miles. It's a matter of working with the brush. (laughs) And the more you practice, the better you get. um, you You just really have to commit to painting on a regular basis and the best way to do that is to find a little corner in your house no matter how small where you can leave your art supplies out so that if you have 15 minutes in the morning while you're having your coffee you can go and create you know and it doesn't have to be something that it's going to be a finished piece you can experiment with colors and see Mm. how they blend together um Jean Haynes is a world-renowned watercolor painter and she'll start a day by taking two um, watercolor colors straight from the tube and let them mingle on the paper and see what she gets. And so um, I started doing that. And I have a collection of colors and how they blend together. And it, it's amazing. It's a great go-to when I'm planning a new painting um, to go and grab that those color swatches and see which paint, which colors I want to incorporate. Because I don't like to be a slave to, to my reference photos. Right. So just because something was originally these colors doesn't mean that's what the painting's going to have. So let's say yesterday. Did you work on any of your art yesterday? Um, I didn't work on actually creating art, but I have this brand new toolbox that my husband got me. (laughs) I know what you were doing. (laughs) And so I am getting, and this toolbox is a workstation slash storage area. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just everything for me. And it's mobile. I can move it around depending on where the light is, where the wind is, because I'm working outside. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Moving where the light is. That's very good. Yeah. So, um, so I've been, you know, for about a week now, I've been kind of in this organizing mode mm-hmm. with my art um, supplies to get everything together so that I can create. And now, while I like 
to cover like you cover surfaces you know if there's an empty surface stuff goes on and when it's time to create I have to have a clean surface and everything yes. goes in its home yes. and I just have out the tools that I need so that's what uh, that's what made this uh, toolbox great because everything's sliding drawers so I don't have to have everything on the surface. Does that mean you, you open the top drawer and you take your forearm and just sweep everything off the oh, table no. into the drawer? No. I didn't think so. I'm pretty organized with it. Everything I'd be has very its tempted place. to do that. <laughs> yeah. It would be nice to and sometimes I have to you know sometimes you have company and you've got to clean up because my watercolor spot is inside the house mm -hmm. and in a public space. So I have oh, okay. to keep it pretty neat. It's not tucked in the spare bedroom. And so sometimes when company's coming, I kind of do have to sweep that table into a, into a box and, uh, you know, clear it off or at least make it presentable. Right. But then you struggle on where did you put it? Uh, yeah, I get that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So back to our original question about, about time and, and working on your art. Mm -hmm. uh, on the average day, how, how much time do you think you put in? Well, in the summer, I'm more dedicated because I have less other responsibilities um, other than my volunteering at the art gallery. So on a typical day in Michigan, I can spend 10, 12 hours. Um, and um, and wow. that's six days a week. Wow. And then the seventh day, I'm usually at the gallery. Um, so occasionally I'll take a day off here or there. Like I was saying, we do a walk in the woods. So I mm -hmm. may break up the day in the middle of the day and we go for this hike. Um, but I'm pretty dedicated in the summer. Art is your life in the summer. In the I summer it is. In the oh summer it is. Oh my goodness. I didn't realize you, yeah. do, you were that busy. Yeah. Well, I have to, to I'm, I'm only in Michigan for five months. But they sell my artwork for 12 months. Mm -hmm. So in the summer, I have to create all the artwork that's going to be left behind to carry them through the winter. So, yeah. So, so they really I stock am up busy. on your work. Yeah. Yes. What's, what's your best seller? Um, my alcoholing tiles. I do um, a six inch size tile and a 12 inch size tile that mm -hmm. I've mounted so that they can be hung on the wall. Um, and they're finished with a resin, so um, it's a nice glossy finish to them. And hands down, those are my best sellers. No kidding. Yeah. More so than your, your watercolors. Oh, very much so. Oh, you don't even, they don't even compare. Doesn't even compare. And the alcohol ink, the six inch size, because it is small, has become a collectible item. And so I have customers that come in on a regular basis just to see what's new so that they could add to their collection. A lot of people come to Northern Michigan because they have a summer cottage up right. there or a getaway cottage. And um, so they want it decorated with outdoorsy. And I do a lot of calling landscapes of Northern Michigan. And so they'll decorate their cabins with the, with these tiles. And then I'm constantly getting pictures sent to me of how it looks on their wall. It's exciting to see that. That's wonderful. Yeah. Very good. Well, Lisa, before we start to wrap up things, I'm wondering if there's anything else that you wanted to share with the listeners before we close out. Um, anybody that's aspiring to get their art in public, um, just they 
need to keep trying. They need to search. I got lucky by having this gallery right in my hometown. Um, but if you don't have the that opportunity to have one so close to you, um, you need to spend a lot of time looking, going into the galleries and really getting a feel for not just what they're selling, but who's coming in and shopping in the galleries. Mm. What are they looking for? Um, and often you can talk to people and they'll share their information with you, what, what they're looking for and why they like certain pieces. And, uh, you know, people that like art tend to talk a lot about the art that they're right. looking at. So um, just keep looking and um, best thing to do before you even go to a gallery, enter sh some shows. Um, most galleries have um, exhibits from time to time that are jurid and never be afraid of rejection because right. it, there's no rhyme or reason why a piece is rejected. It's, you know, at the whim of the judge and, and you just you don't get upset. Just pick yourself up and try again. Right. Good words. Good thoughts. Mm -hmm. Thank you. If somebody wants to see your work, is there a place online that they can view there, it? There is. Um, at the um, Asabo Artisan Village in Michigan. How do you spell um, Asabo? A-U-S-A-B-L-E Artisan Village. And that's named after um the river in our town yes um so some of my arts on that website and then on my facebook page nature's treasures there is a facebook page and i post my art at least once a month i'm posting something that i've put into the gallery very good well lisa we have had a good talk and I thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come to the studio, sit down, and let us just have some nice talk across the table. And thank you for having me. I enjoyed. It's been a special pleasure for me. Thank you. To my friends out there listening, I thank you also for spending time with us because I know that everybody's busy. You don't have necessarily time to just turn on a podcast or whatever. So I, I, I really thank you for, for joining us. And... Until we meet again, my friends, be well. Thanks for listening to the Partnership for the Arts talk show. 